Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show, where we break down the complex worlds of health, fitness, family, business, and relationships with the world's leading experts. I'm your host, Gabby Reese, and I'm here to simplify these topics and give you practical takeaways that you can start using today. We all know that living a healthy, balanced life isn't always easy. Let's try working on managing life a little better and have some fun along the way. Because after all, life is just one big experiment and we're all doing our best. How many people do you know that have back pain? Me, I personally had back pain for years, and I pull my back. I used to pull my back once a quarter. I'd lift too much, and then I pull my back. I'm like, okay, it's an injury. I'll get over it. And then a few years ago, I pulled it, and it was pulling it every week where I couldn't work out. It was impeding my life. If I had a long weekend and got on a flight back home, I'd have pain on the whole flight, pain in the bed. And this, again, anecdotally, but I, one of the clinics I worked with injected my lower back with cells, and I had two dehydrated discs and a herniated disc, and... Uh, knock on wood, in the past two years, I've had zero back pain. And so I'm not sure it pulled in some herniation and maybe it regenerated a disc a bit, but you can't really tell with like the back pain where it's actually stemming from, but I haven't had that pain. So will I get touch-ups? Probably, but that for me is in my 30s and having that back pain. So I was just going to accept that for the next 30, 40 years. Like we had a doctor that one of my dear friends now who spoke, he's in, it's about 70 now, but he had knee pain for 20 years, 25 years. And he just started getting this a handful of years ago. And he's like, I got no knee pain now. He's like, it's fantastic. He's like, I can fly my airplane with no no pain. I'm able to move around. He's like, I just accepted that this was the quality of my life until I die. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Kevin Ferber, and he is with American Cell Technology. And I think, like all of you, I've been hearing about stem cells for probably about 10, maybe almost 15 years. I've done versions of it. I tried it for my knee. I have a knee replacement. It didn't really work great for me. I, I did it with a liposuction. You hear about people doing it with their bone marrow. You hear about people going to Mexico and Costa Rica, Panama, and of course, Germany. I have a lot of friends who are athletes that are getting incredible success in Mexico and in Germany with these stem cell therapies. And I thought, you know what? I want to learn more. Now, the difference with this conversation was, is that their business, their clinic, basically only uses your DNA. So I just want to say, I don't know which is better. I Again, I've had so many friends have incredible results with the type of stem cell therapy that they were getting. So this isn't a knock. This is just about a bigger conversation to see where it's going. Because some of the idea is when you're using a donor, umbilical cord or such, that it's not your DNA right? That it's, will you possibly reject it later? Something like that. So their thinking is, hey, we want to cultivate your cells, bank them for you. And then when you need them, whether it's to spot treat an injury, shoulder, knee, something like that, or they're even putting it in IVs. So for inflammation of the body, even the brain concussions, people are doing this, you know, just as upkeep for three, four times a year. I just thought it was an incredible opportunity for somebody to learn more about it by somebody who is truly hands-on and ask them simple questions and just explore the topic more. So if you are interested in stem cells or thought about it, we can just add this to your knowledge and repertoire when you're making decisions. I hope you enjoy. Kevin Ferber, thank you for coming here. Thank you um, for having me, Gabby. First of all, maybe you could just share 
you know, what you do and, you know, the, where you work and how you got into this job. Yeah, absolutely. So I run a personal stem cell bank called American Cell Technology, which is based in South Florida, outside of Fort Lauderdale. And what we do is we work with a little over 100 clinics across the country that do personal stem cell therapy, and where they'll take out a tablespoon of fat or bone marrow from your body. Uh, they could isolate stem cells there bedside and give it back to you same day. But what they can also do is take out another tablespoon of bone marrow and fat and send it to our facility in South Florida, where we will isolate the cells in our clean room, um, FDA registered and inspected environment, uh, and then feed those cells, stem cell food, and naturally self-replicate so that we can get billions of cells instead of tens of millions of cells and then cryopreserve them in time. So then that clients and patients have access to their youngest cells in time for the future, uh, for future use, whether it's therapeutic or other types of uses as they see fit by them and their practitioner. And a little bit about my background. I, I don't come from a science background. I was, I went to Amherst College. I was an econ poli sci double major. I ended, started in the finance route, investment banking um, out in the West Coast and started visiting one of my good friends. And his father was one of the leading stem cell physicians down in LA and started seeing the impact that he was having on his patients. And it was always a real health and wellness buff. And you can only be so passionate about finance and seeing the benefits that they, he was having and the impact he was having on his patients, I just knew I had to get involved somehow. And so over the years, I kept maintaining contacts and relationships with doctors and people in the uh, stem cell industry in general and, and took on this opportunity to help run, run this bank and help it grow and get the message out there, what's available here in the U.S. So let's, let's just start at, at the sort of, you know, when, when did stem cell treatments start and, and what was the hope when they when they started, because I think it, you know, we sort of been really hearing about it for maybe the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And it, I'm not sure when it exactly started. I think um, some of the doctors I work with have been doing stem cell therapy in the U.S. since 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when people hear the word stem cells, they're very misunderstood on what that means. And so in the, back in the eighties, you heard about stem cell therapy and using embryonic stem cells and no one's using embryonic stem cells. I know it's very, uh, positive politicized debate, but no one has been using that for 15, 20 years. And so when we're talking stem cells, we're talking purely, in my aspect, mesenchymal and adults, uh, autologous, so meaning your own cells. But there's been stem cell treatments for the past 20 years in the U.S., and whether that's your personal cells, donor cells from core blood, core tissue, I think there's a lot going on in hematopoietic stem cell transplant research, as that's been going on for 30 years, where you might have had the opportunity to store your baby's core blood for, for donor use as well. Okay, so you hear a lot of times, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, that a, a lot of times you're getting from donations from umbilical cord. I feel like I hear that the most. Am I, am I off on that? No, you're not. And I think a lot of that is that industry, the core blood, core tissue banking has been around for 30 plus years. And so when you go into the hospital, the delivering nurse or OB might say, hey, do you want to store your core blood, core tissue, or do you like to donate it? And so there are private and public banks. I think there's a ton of misunderstanding uh, for parents. So they said, okay, why would I store my child's core blood core tissue? And really their answer is typically, I would do anything for my kid. But they don't actually know what the use of it is. The beauty of that core blood is that they, you have your child's youngest stem cells in time. However, there's such a limited amount of stem cells in there that it might not even be good for one-time therapeutic use. And I mean, I can get into numbers, but it's a couple hundred thousand cells in a core blood sample versus 
at our bank, we can get billions, but at minimum, people are getting out 10 million cells, up to 150 million cells at a time. So a couple hundred thousand really doesn't push the needle. And to your point on core blood, there is a donor core blood or with someone else's DNA, there is still a risk of graft versus host disease, which is when your body would reject foreign DNA because there is foreign DNA in that core blood sample. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are plenty of research papers on hematopoietic stem cells and the potential of graft versus host disease uh, and as well as... Wait, let's stop there for just one second. Because it's, I know it's a lot. So for example, I did save one of my daughter's, you know, her cells. Mm -hmm. uh, Where I, when I had another one, they didn't offer that. Um, I was here in Santa Monica. We had that, and that was 19 years ago. So you're saying even with that, it's her youngest cells that she has. Could they send that to you, and you can multiply those? <laughs> so you, uh, yeah, you. In th- so right now, we also have a <laughs> newborn. And it's a great question. Uh, we have a newborn side called Vital Cells, and it's very different than what you did 19 years ago and what other current core blood cartridge banks are doing today. So they took your your daughter's core blood or core tissue, and they cryopreserved it. And so mm-hmm. the best part, like I said, is your youngest cells, but there's such a limited amount. And so if you don't culture expand those before you cryopreserve, they might be eaten away either by red blood cells when cryopreserved, or if you don't isolate and grow out the stem cells before you preserve, if it's a core tissue, mm-hmm. when you dethaw that sample, there is some die-off. So there might not be any live cells or a very limited amount of live cells. So right now we're not even, there's plenty of people that call and say, hey, like you're Prime example, I have my child's core blood core tissue at another bank. We'd love to send it to you to culture expand it so that it's actually useful. And it's just too big of a risk for us because it's going to be a lose-lose. There's a good chance there's not enough cells for us to grow out. And then we're the bad guys. And so we say, hey, you know, your best option is probably just sending in a tablespoon of fat from them. But moving forward, we have this option now. Um, and I have all my friends signed up as they're having babies now to send in their baby's core blood, core tissue sample so we can actually get the stem cells and grow them out as soon as we get the sample. So they get the sam- sample. Explain to people where this comes from. Because from from adults, it's like you said, it's from fat or is it fat and or bone marrow? Or yeah. is it both or wh- what is it? So there's, there's stem cells all over the human body. We found that it's easy to get a tablespoon of fat out of clients and there's plenty of healthy young stem cells in that fat as well as a lot of people are working with bone marrow cells as well it's a little more invasive as mm-hmm. you can imagine and actually what we're seeing is that the bone marrow uh, stem cells tend to be older than the adipose fat cells because as you think about it your stem cells and your bone marrow are constantly being churned over and put to use versus your adipose cells tend to stay dormant and if you think about like as you go through fasting and your body starts eating away its fat and releasing, uh, getting rid of the senescent cells and releasing some new stem cells, we can get some great healthy cells from your adipose fat and then do the same process we do and culture expand them. But if you have the opportunity to store your child's cells, there's no younger adult stem cell than day one from that child. Right. And where do they get it from? We, right from the core blood core tissue. So So it's it's the same process you went through 19 years ago in collection. It's painless. (laughs) It's known by OBs. It's very easy. They put it in a collection bag or collection tube for the tissue and we just process it differently. But for Mm -hmm. the, for the expecting mother, it's the same process and like C-sections don't affect it. If you want delayed cord clamping, not an issue. Uh, Really, there's a lot of live mesochymal cells in the core tissue and both core blood. But as long as we have the core tissue, we know we can grow them out for your child. And for men, is it typically like the waist? And for women, it's like button, th- like their thighs. Is that where we're sort of getting usually the fat anyway? 
I said I, a lot of people are like, oh, they hear mini liposuction. They're like, great, I could use a, I could use a little a liposuction fat transplant. It's only about a tablespoon, so yeah. they're getting, taken from the flank, typically for both men and women. Okay, and it's only so since it's only a tablespoon, even if you get a very thin or athletic build, they're like, oh, there's no way I can get a tablespoon of fat off them. Well, the great part about it is that if you're a heavier set person, you're most you're going to have less stem cells in that fat. You're going to have more fat cells. But if you get a thin athletic mm. person like yourself or Laird, and you can only get a, a get 10 cc's of, of fat, they're going to be more loaded and concentrated with stem cells. And so we'll have more stem, same amount of stem cells we got from a larger sample of fat from someone else to be able to culture expand in our lab. And then from the bone marrow side, what, where are they, is it from a femur? Like where are they getting that typically from? Yeah, they're doing... It depends on the doctor, but it is, okay. I'm sure you've seen where they're kind of, they have the hammer and they're going in uh, mm-hmm. to the celiac crest and extracting some bone marrow. And some doctors are fantastic at it and do under local anesthesia as well. And they're like, hey, I'm better at doing a bone marrow harvest than I am a mini liposuction because I do it every day. And they're like, my patients feel no pain. Personally, I'd rather get the mini fat taken out and yeah. just, it's just slight bruising and you're able to go back to your day-to-day activity I think I tell everyone the worst pain you'll have is when you get in and out of your car or a plane because you put the compression of the bruise against the seat. Yeah, you know, it's like you when you get out. a shot. Exactly. Right. It's funny because I had that done. I have a knee replacement. So you can imagine I did a myriad of things and Laird has a hip replacement. So we've done so many different things because, you you know, that's sort of a last case scenario. You don't really want to get a joint replacement, especially we were on the younger side, I guess. But I probably, more than 10 years ago, we all went in as a collective and did the stem cell that was available then, which was take it from your fat and then spin it, right? Mm -hmm. And then inject that into the area. It was interesting because there was three of us that went. One guy looked like he got hit by a hammer. His bruise was so intense. Mine was light, but significant. And Laird had no bruise at all. I was like, yeah, of course, it yeah. figures. And it didn't do anything, I'll be honest. I mean, and plus I was I was moving into the bone on bone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to break this down because it is, you hear about it all the time, but I don't think we really know, um, even people who know really, um, why would you do it? Who'd be a good candidate? What way to do it? Obviously, it's very a lot for a lot of people. It's cost prohibitive, things like that. So, let's say someone has banked their their cells with you, and you've multiplied them. Now, is there? Can we talk about like, you know, obviously athletic injuries or injuries versus illness and sickness? Yeah. Like maybe you could just share some of the um, scenarios that people are getting this process done. Absolutely. And we can speak anecdotally speaking, I'm yeah. not trying to give anyone medical advice no, here, of course. but I think what's interesting, especially I can come back to your case when you got the transplant, what's tough about this industry now is it's your own cells going to work on your own body. So it's not as if you're taking a drug. So you take some sort of uh, medicine or opioid, you know you're going to feel something in 30 minutes. And so you're getting your own cells, which my cells are different than your cells. And if you have a degenerative condition in your knee, it's different than mine. Could yours be a stage seven versus mine's a three on the one to 10? So we never, we can't tell you explicitly, okay, you're going to feel great mm-hmm. in three days. And you're going to feel, and this guy might feel great in two to three months because it is your body healing itself. And also when you're getting that same day stem cell treatment that you mentioned that you got, there's about 50 million mesochymal stem cells, which we store there. And so, again, everyone has different concentration of cells. Your mm-hmm. cells are different, and that's a one-time use case. And I think as the science progresses, we're starting to see, oh, okay, people are starting to 
regulate how many cells you may need, or maybe repeat treatment, but or your condition might be too far gone that you may need a, a knee replacement or so. But we're hoping to avoid that. But sorry to get on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Because it, again, I, I want to break this down. I think what's interesting, what you're saying is now, if I hear me, if, if, if this is correct, that people are doing enough treatments now that there's also maybe, you know, well, like for this type of injury, for our best case scenario, it could be like come back um, in three more months and maybe get another shot. So they're even starting to kind of add a little bit of form around the protocols. Yeah, exactly. And so you're starting to see people get more cells or, or more lengthy treatments or starting to actually educate their patients as they get more data. It's like, hey, this is not a cure-all. This might be able to mitigate or it might help. But to answer your question, like who's actually getting cell, it, it ranges from health and wellness, but to your point, autoimmune conditions, people. Yeah, that's fascinating to me because let's talk about autoimmune specifically. I actually wrote this down, which is, you know, they're they're more vulnerable, I think, to rejecting, right, foreign DNA. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. So I'm, I'm really curious about for people who have autoimmune, maybe some of the, how this would benefit them. Yeah. So you're starting to see, for autoimmune conditions, it's not going to be, like, to your point, like an orthopedic. You might be get a one-time use, you feel better, and then maybe you need touch-ups a few years in the few years down the road, but for autoimmune conditions, it's ongoing. And one of the coolest examples that I've seen with one of the clinics I work with is they've been treating Crohn's disease, which traditionally has no cure for it. So real, and what these stem cells are, is they're anti-inflammatory by nature. And what's Crohn's disease? A severe inflammation of the intestines. And they had a couple younger uh, patients come in, cursing their name, calling them voodoo doctors. And these guys were able to treat them just simply through IV infusion of their own personal cells. And a couple of them actually got off their medication. And you and it takes a certain type of doctor to want to treat those types of patients, but also they're not their primary gastro. And so those doctors that have been doing it for 30, 40 years are like, no, this is impossible. They can't be off their medication. This is a lifetime medication. And so it's it's really like, that's one of my favorite examples. And that's an autoimmune condition where traditionally, I think that's most interesting, where there hasn't really been a cure. There's really just been a, hey, why don't you stay on this medication for your life and we'll try to mitigate it as past possible. I'm not saying they're purely cured of it, but they're feeling better. Do they, is that a once a month kind of thing? Or, I mean, for the IVs or like in that case-ish, mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Well, to your exact point earlier, it's really, it's cash pay now, right? There's no insurance that's covered besides some companies that are self-insured. Mm-hmm. And even that is case by case basis. But if it's cash pay, it can be financially prohibitive to a lot of patients. It's not hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it, it's expensive uh, in the thousands of dollars usually. And so maybe they're getting their sales quarterly and kind of monitoring how they're feeling. And so if they can get the cells quarterly, then you're kind of giving them a couple months to go to work. And then you're kind of having follow-ups that way. And I think what's most fascinating is what you're starting to see is you also talked about different athletes as well, but people starting to try to figure out how many cells to prescribe each treatment because each person's different. Mm -hmm. Um, And as research starts to advance, we're starting to see people trying to quantify how many cells to treat for different conditions. And they're starting to go the direction of a million cells per kilogram of body weight. So if I'm 200 pounds, roughly 90 kilos, if I was going through some certain autoimmune condition, maybe I'm getting 90 million cells per treatment quarterly. So that's a that's a lot of cells or, or a lot it, more. How, like for uh, for the layman mm-hmm. like me, what 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 does that fit in? Like I, I know you said IV. So is that mixed with other things? Or is there a, a time it's straight, it's a shot, like when it's an injury? How How big is that? 
No, it's a fantastic question. So when we sent the cryovials that we have 10 million cells in are two milliliter cryovials and the stem cells themselves are negligible. Right. They're super small. Uh, and so when people are getting an IV, it's just going to a bag of saline. And so we're going to 100 cc bag of saline, slow drip. If you're doing a direct joint injection, uh, there's a mix of some saline, the cells directly injected into the joints as well. But there are other doctors that are mixing different modalities in there, whether it's sometimes PRP, uh, exosome is a big hot topic. People are using some ozones or some other therapies to help cause these cells to be more pro-regenerative by nature. I think you're seeing some orthopedic guys where they use PRP in collaboration with stem cells because they're seeing that PRP can be inflammatory by nature and the stem cells are anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of cross-reacting, but some of the doctors are saying, well, what we can do is we can create some inflammation with the PRP and draw out the inflammation and then inject the cells to let the cells send out their signals to combat inflammation and help rebuild that damaged area. And what's nice is that that PRP almost acts as a, a cortisone effect. Well, you might see like immediate relief right away as the cells start taking time to repair the issue, the injured area. So in a case like that, like I've had PRP too, and I, it was like, I, it was, it's pretty brutal right after for mm-hmm. me and my knee was very swollen and mushy and unstable. It really, cause it's, again, it's that, you know, we're going to attack the area and see if the body itself goes, okay, we got to go over there and, and take care of business. So would they do the PRP first and then sort of say, come back in a day or two, or is it one after the other? It'd be one after the other. And I think a lot of people do PRP because it's so easily accessible. I know. Right? So they can get it right from your bloodstream, spin it down, and it has growth factors. So there's, it doesn't have stem cells, but it has some properties that could help you, help benefit. But I think a lot of, if you talk to a lot of people that have gotten PRP or at the clinical setting, they're like, oh, this is more of a three-month, six-month fix. It's a Band-Aid. I don't think it's really regenerating tissue tendons and their likes. And what about the ozone? Like, what's the what what it, what's the theory behind that? I am not the ozone expert, and so I can't really elaborate. Okay. And I don't have a lot of clinics using ozone with it, but there's plenty of literature out there that are. It's all the plug words where the ozone is helping the the stem cells be more pro-regenerative and helping them get to the right places as well. I see. So we talked about autoimmune. Is there other I want to talk about overall health first because athletic injury, I don't want to say it's more obvious, but it kind of is. Like, mm-hmm. hey, my shoulder hurts. You're hearing a lot of things. We know a doctor in Germany that's having a lot of success with so many different, the spine, a bunch of different things. But let's talk about health. So you mentioned autoimmune. Are there any other things that you see from your doctors using your lab for other types of health issues? Yeah, I think really... Right now, there's over 8,000 clinical trials using mesenchymal stem cells. Wow. And so it runs the gamut from autoimmune to orthopedics, immunology to cardiology. Uh, I don't think we want to touch too much on long haulers, but there is a right. definite, there's a definite um, anti-inflammatory effect in your chest that cool. could help, or asthma or COPD, where stem cells could potentially be benefit. benefit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean so, I mean, we're not going to get it. Okay. But I mean, there is talk about myocarditis and inflammation around the heart. So what we're saying is maybe for something like that. Yeah. I think it's really important to, for all your listeners to understand like the number one property stem cells are anti-inflammatory. So mm-hmm. the stem cells are smarter than we are. So that's why we typically, a lot of our clients are just giving an IV. They'll help, they'll give local injections to get the stem cells right on the sites of inflammation or harm, but the stem cells are smarter than we are. And so if you hook it up to an IV, you'll travel through your bloodstream and find those sites of inflammation, focus in, and then help combat inflammation, whether it's repairing it 
repairing the uh, degeneration itself or sending out signal cells to other cells to help rebuild. It's been fascinating to see type of the results we've been getting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so from, I mean, at your point, yes, orthopedics are obvious because they're so easy to digest and say, hey, I have pain here and now I no longer have pain. Right. Right. And, but I think for me as somebody who like, you know, I think whenever you've done anything repetitively, I'm always managing versions of physical discomfort. You know, this is sore and that's sore. Um, you know, you're always kind of working your way in and out of trouble. That's you can relate if you train, you know what I mean? You know, maybe a small tear here, or you're tight. You haven't been doing your homework, your flexibility. Then all of a sudden something gets tight. But I think what interests me um, and especially I think as I, just as I get older, it's this idea of overall health. So let's start with someone has a baby. Mm -hmm. Would you, you don't have children yet. Right? I do not. Yeah. You look well-rested. That's, <laughs> That's the only reason you can yeah. tell. All the guys in the, in the, at the table with no kids are like, ho, 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 ho. You get yours so too, far. buddy. Don't worry. I will. And I'll be like on, oh, I haven't, I'm an empty nester. And what are you doing? Oh, I'm going on a cruise. I'm going to ask you if you can babysit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you want this house babysitting your kids. Um, your baby's born. What would you do? Yeah, the first thing I would do is would sign up for core blood, core tissue collection that we now offer. I wouldn't have done it five, 10 years ago because it's virtually worthless based if you're not processing it the right way or culture expanding it and storing it. I, having the opportunity of storing my child's youngest cells today is even extremely valuable. But right now, we're at the most archaic point of regenerative medicine. So what's to hold in 20 years from now? I have no idea. But I know that could be their most valuable health asset down the road. And for a few thousand dollars, why, wouldn't I, why would I not protect my child as best as I can? And I don't know what's going to happen in insurance down the road. Mm -hmm. I don't know myself, but right now I know this is the best option and we'll see where the science goes. And is there is there thought with that that it's like beyond let's like, say the kid gets an injury but maybe they get sick that this is something that you can do in adjunct to maybe a treatment that they're having that they have this sort of super powered cell that we know is it is you know from their DNA that their body can accept is that the thinking Yeah exactly so you you'll have, one you'll have your own cells your own DNA so you you have zero risk of your body rejecting that mm. but people develop autoimmune conditions at early age yeah. um, and so there's and kids are very active, as you know, running around the household. And so could they use their cells for easy orthopedic, broken bones, concussions to potentially help heal themselves more efficiently? Absolutely, that's a possibility. So having that stored, not just for a rainy day, but knowing the future of science and then figuring out how life takes its course, I think could be extremely beneficial for that child. And what, what's that process? So, you know, Kevin Jr.'s running around being, you know, super athlete. He's 13 and something happens, breaks his leg. So they're going to go to the doctor. They're going to say, hey, we're going to have to either set, put you in a cast or whatever. How do you then incorporate? Is it after in the recovery process or do you do anything instantly yeah. if you can? So, well, let's just say KJ's playing football out there. Mm -hmm. and Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Not soccer. Sorry. sorry. Could be soccer. I'll <laughs> let him make his own decision. Uh, but... <laughs> But well, I'd say if he, we have opportunity to have these cells on demand now as well. So instead of waiting, let's say three weeks for us to grow them out, you can get them within 48 hours, which is critical. And so having right now in regenerative medicine, people are using stem cells as a last line of resort. And so mm -hmm. you're getting the toughest cases that already have a ton of scar tissue or have gone through all the other rabbit holes. But if you get concussed in the field or 
break your leg or whatever it may be, if you get your cells to those sites of inflammation and beat that scar tissue and help the body repair immediately, that could help and expedite the process. But if you're getting, let's say, I'm not saying it's going to totally replace an ACL repair, but maybe after the ACL repair, you can get your cells in there. Um, There's one study that I listened to in a talk a few years ago where a doctor gave his daughter cells. She played soccer in Ivy League and she tore her ACL and got cells her own cells back in her knee, and she was able to recover much faster from her ACL injury. And she just all those possibilities for your child. Mm-hmm. And you know, as you get older and athletics play, it, in our lives anyway, played a tremendous role, but it's a finite time in your yeah. life. And it's such a short time. So even if you could extend it for a year or two years from a mental or a monetary standpoint, it could be extremely impactful for that person or quality of life even. Well, I was going to say, listen, the, the truth of the matter is I'm obviously a lot older than than you are. I don't think so. You can stay active and be active and be athletic forever. You know, Laird had a best friend, uh, I've mentioned him many times on this podcast, Don Wildman. He died at about 83 or 84. And I would say, you know, he did the senior games, he trained every day. And so we have this organized element of athletics in our life if we ever do that. But then what you start to realize is, oh, wait a second. Like, even if it's people who go hiking or biking or whatever, you kind of want to do it at a clip. Not only that feels good to you that you can push it, but that also you're not miserable the whole time or the next day. So I think it it almost becomes more valuable in a, for different reasons as you get older, because that is the, when you can move and keep moving, your enjoyment of life is, I think it's so substantially greater. I could not agree more. And so purely on a quality of life, and we could get into orthopedic case, but how many people do you know that have back pain? Me, I personally had back pain for years. And I pulled my back. I used to pull my back once a quarter. I'd lift too much. And then I'd pull my back. I'm like, okay, it's an injury. I'll get over it. And then a few years ago, I pulled it and it was pulling it every week where I couldn't work out. It was impeding my life. If I had a long weekend and got on a flight back home, I'd have pain uh, on the whole flight, pain in the bed. And this, again, anecdotally, but I, one of the clinics I worked with injected my lower back with cells. And I had two dehydrated discs and a herniated disc. And uh, knock on wood, in the past two years, I've had zero back pain. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure it pulled in some herniation and maybe it regenerated a disc a bit. But you can't really tell with like the back pain where it's actually stemming from. But I haven't had that pain. So will I get touch-ups? Probably. But the, that for me is in my 30s and having that back pain. So I was just going to accept that for the next... 30, 40 years. Like we had a doctor that one of uh, my dear friends now who spoke, he's in, he's about 70 now, but he had knee pain for 20 years, 25 years. And he just started getting this a handful of years ago. And he's like, I got no knee pain now. He's like, it's fantastic. He's like, I can fly my airplane with no, no pain. I'm able to move around. He's like, I just accepted that this was the quality of my life until I die. Yeah. And that's something I really want to encourage people. It's like, don't hang around people that go, well, you know, at our age, that's just how it is. I think this idea of you don't want to fight where you are, but if there are little things you can do to make it better, keeping your mind open, because new things are coming up all the time, like you're saying. And I don't think that necessarily we have to have that sentence like, oh, well, that's just how it is, or I'm 70 now, or I'm 60, or I'm 50, or whatever, or I used to play high school or college football. It's like, yeah, and there's so much you can do proactively. So even the idea of, I like this idea too, of like you said, the the doctor whose daughter played soccer. So she's 20 years old. Those cells are fantastic. So it's not, listen, it's not too late if you don't do it for your kid. But let's 
let's talk about someone who is older and hearing this and going, wow, this, this has really interested me. Let's say they're my age, they're in their fifties. Is it, what's the benefit? Are my cells sad? And are, you know, like what's happening? Well, I, that's a fantastic question because I feel that is why you start hearing umbilical cord all the time. So yeah. older people <laughs> traditionally have more disposable income and they'll go the routes and say, my, my cells are sad yeah. and they're not good. And so I'll get this donor cell. Uh, which we've gotten into some of the risks there or what you're actually getting. But no, we're we're seeing and we do these studies in our lab with adipose fat cells, bone marrow cells, umbilical cord blood tissue cells. And we did a comparison of different cell lines. We had some patients that had their adipose and bone marrow with us. What we're traditionally seeing is that adipose cells, even people that are 60, 70 years old, have great lively cells that have longer telomere lengths, which shows your cell health, almost comparable to umbilical cord cells. We even have a lineage of a son, a father, and a grandmother of cell line. And funny enough, we saw the grandmother had the longest telomere of her cells. So people can have, there is some caveat to that study. As you started replicating those cells, her cells started Broke to become down, shorter yeah. mm -hmm. more quickly. Yeah. But that gets me back to the point. Like, even if you're going to get a core blood sample or donor sample, like, how do you know that's better for you? Your own cells, you know there's no risk of rejection DNA. But I'd take the risk of taking my cells versus some baby I've never met. And, but we are seeing that people are banking their cells or getting cell therapy in their 60s, 70s, because we traditionally have an older client base because sure. it is cash. Right. Um, and seeing some great results, knowing that we're getting the hardest clients because it's usually coming as a line of last defense. Yeah. And that's part of the education process of, hey, maybe we should try this first or as soon as you're injured. Yeah, if versus, you're able, try. Yeah. yeah, if you're able versus let's just wait until this is the last thing. We finally have the money to try it and we'll see what happens. And plus you're getting that multiple. I think what it is is it's also just getting your 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 best cells at a, at a greater volume to get to work. Isn't that it? It's basically like a super boost. Yeah, we're using, we're being very conservative when we grow out cells and we're not getting into cell science, but we, when we self-replicate, it goes through different passages and we go to passage five, which is a very conservative amount to make sure they're still healthy. And we only grow out those cells to a certain viability so that they're, they're not overpopulating themselves and killing themselves. So we try to make sure they're grown in a sterile, healthy environment so that your cells are ready to go. And that's something we've kind of pride ourselves in the lab to make sure that everyone is getting these their own healthy cells, nothing that's been overgrown that could have some more dead cells in it. But obviously everyone's cell line is different, but mm -hmm. the younger we can get them, uh, the more benefit it might be to yourself. Do you, is there anything to, and this, this is the, I don't know, it just occurred to me. If somebody is pretty healthy, let's say, and they decide, um, and there's always these conversations. I've had a lot of conversations around performing women, um, so women who work are physically active perform better fed. They mm -hmm. don't get as many benefits fasting as men do. And there's, cause a lot of the data was drawn because all the tests were done on men, but what they're finding for women is, Hey, actually you perform better if you're, if you're fed. Now, if you're more sedentary or you're trying to kind of hit a reboot or control, manage weight, things like that, they said, okay, there's some interesting things around fasting. Would you say to somebody, Hey, like thinking about autophagy or killing off dead cells or, you know, zombie cells. Is there something kind of that you could do prior to doing a harvesting that would maybe benefit? Yeah, that's a great question. I didn't know that, but it makes sense because whenever I give my girlfriend a snack, she's much happier with me. <laughs> but yeah. well, it depends but, what kind of snack. Buddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or a latte. But yeah. <laughs> uh, if you can get, if you get them, uh, there's many different supplements, but I think 
longer term, the healthier you are. Like we talked about, if you're in healthy metabolic condition, you're not smoking, you're not heavy drinking, your fat is going to be loaded with healthy stem cells. If your lifestyle is terrible, like anything else, you're probably not going to have the healthiest stem cells. But there are some great supplements out there that are helping the process. We work with a guy, Dr. Nathan Bryan, who does great nitric oxide. Did you say Bryan? Brian, Nathan okay, Bryan. And so he does, uh, he's been around the nitric oxide field for a while. And quite simply, nitric oxide helps blood flow. And so when you're getting cells through your blood flow, your IV, it almost opens the tunnel on the highway to let those cells go to work. And that's just a, a small thing to help your cells actually get to the sites of inflammation. If your highway has more freedom to run, your cells can run and go find that sites of inflammation versus if it's clogged up or not running as smoothly. But overall, kind of your basic being in great metabolic health, staying active, and being healthy, you, you'll have healthier cells for us to, uh, to us to retrieve and then for you to get back down the road. Okay. So now you wouldn't say, hey, like to a certain group, like, you know, do some extreme three-day fasting before, and then maybe we have the best concentration of your cells or we don't know, make or be hydrated or I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think a lot of doctors would be like, yeah, don't smoke or drink a few days before. Hopefully you're not. <laughs> and so, or hopefully you're just not, or ever. Um, I think we're still getting we have thousands of people that have come to our bank and they all have different lifestyles mm -hmm. and that has been an issue getting their cells and having healthy cells. But I think moving forward, you're probably seeing better benefits from people that are overall healthier and yeah. taking care of themselves. But I don't think there's enough research done to know exactly what the linchpin is there to, to make sure they're, they're the healthiest. In doing this show, I, um, maybe we should find that out. I don't know, like get, almost give people homework prior to doing their harvesting. Yeah. I don't know. No. Or maybe not. They can go out all night long and drink and then come into the <laughs> go to lab. The, like, I just got my mini lipo procedure. I'm bruised, but I just <laughs> didn't give myself a chance because I was out all night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. the best idea. Is, uh, you know, in doing in the, doing the show, I feel like what always shows up over and over, regardless of whether I'm talking to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a GI specialist, an endocrinologist, it's obviously inflammation right? Like over and over and over and how that expresses itself, whether it's a cancer or Alzheimer's or, you know, diabetes, inflammation, mitochondrial function, um, and it, like two other things I feel like seem to be a root cause for a lot of things that we navigate. And so you, you mentioned inflammation in this. So if someone's like, Hey, you know what, overall, I feel pretty good. I'd like to get my, my cells pulled and, and stored. But is there a way just on kind of a body reboot um, that someone could just, whether it's they go in and they get IVs twice a year from their homeopathic or naturopathic doctor, uh, just to kind of give themselves a, like I said, just a little boost? A hundred percent. So to your exact point, almost all these conditions that we hear are inflammatory by nature. And so getting your own cells, which are their number one property is anti-inflammatory, to get into your system and focus and find those sites of inflammation to help prepare the body because you don't really know where you're inflamed. You don't wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, my intestine feels a little inflamed today. And so you can't really, so people that are healthy are like, well, I'm healthy, I don't need my cells. But you really don't know what you don't know internally. And I think there's a ton coming out, I know you touched on like gut health or anything else where people don't know until later on when they have some sort of physical condition. But yeah, people are getting their cells for general health and wellness quarterly. And so like personally, I get a hundred million of my own cells quarterly and for general health and wellness and I get it IV infused. And it, I mean, people are doing vitamin IVs, people are doing cryo, cryo chambers. And so there's just 
it, it's something else potentially add to your tool chest to help you feel better yeah. over the long term uh, and see how it impacts and helps your body. Do you, I know you said you're, with your back that you definitely felt something. Is there something you feel sort of a few days after or is it just a, a kind of a raised sense of homeostasis of well-being? Um, have, do you notice anything when you just do an IV to kind of, you know, cover the basis? I think it's been different each time, which has actually been fascinating to me, mm-hmm. but makes sense because your cells are different and then your body is just in a different state. And so the first time I got my cells, the best thing I felt the next day, this was summer 2020, and I knew I definitely had COVID at some point and inflammation in my chest. And then I was working out with um, an air restriction mask on because those are the times we had to wear masks in gyms. And I was like, okay, I'll just wear a high altitude mask. Mm-hmm. And the day before I got my cells, I was actually had to walk out of the gym, take off the mask and breathe because there's suffocating oxygen. I couldn't breathe. But the next day after I got my cells, it was fascinating, again, anecdotal, but I was able to do the full workout with my air restriction mask on. And so I just felt like I was breathing at 120%. And that hasn't happened every time by any means. And But mostly, if I'm getting them quarterly, I won't feel anything significant. But you start to see, like, if you had some inflammation, like I had patellar tendonitis for a while across my knee, and that's something that I'd even realize subsided and went away. Almost like when you get LASIK surgery and you're mm-hmm. like, no, I could always see that street sign. And you just mm-hmm. take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't specifically into that area. That was just on the all-body reboot. Exactly. I, that was just an IV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not the same for everyone, but I used to be driving for a couple hours and really have to stretch out my knee. Or if I worked out and did legs, I'd, I'd be wobbling around for a couple of days afterwards. And something that's completely gone away over the past couple of years for myself. So what does that what does that look like? Somebody lives in Nebraska or St. Louis and they're hearing you and they go, you know what? Yes. How do they find somebody who can take a withdrawal correctly and then how do they get it? Let's say they want to do it for reboot purposes mm-hmm. twice a year. How does that process look? So they could always reach out to us or me directly. And we have a partnership of clinics across the country. And so we can give them a list of doctors we work with that do this. But funny enough, the mini liposuction is so basic and known by everyone in cosmetics and a lot of doctors. And so, and there's plenty of regenerative medicine doctors we're not working with. And so if there's people that want to have the conversation about working with us and we can think about onboarding them based on what they're looking to do in their practice, we can have that conversation. But we do have a good coverage across the country. And then they could get the mini liposuction done and speak about their provider about if they if they may benefit from sub-cell therapy and how they can get back their cells. And then that, doc, that physician could administer those cells to them. But most, I mean, listen, let's face it. I feel like... This is the kind of stuff that for a long time people go, oh, well, that's not going to do anything. And it's an interesting thing. And I I have to say, I always love treatments that the downside is nothing. Nothing happened. I love that kind of treatment because it's like you could benefit. And if it it's if it's experimental or the, it's in this element of if it's beginning, it's like, hey, no, it's great. The worst thing that happens is nothing. The one thing I want to get back to is most people are not using their own cells. They're using uh, umbilical, I think. I could be wrong. It could be donor. It it runs a gamut. It could be donor cells, which be like umbilical cord Mm -hmm. cells. It could be something that's not even stem cells. Like people sometimes say PRP stem cells, or they say exosomes or amniotic fluid. And so 
Yeah. What are, can we talk about each of those? Like, so people know when they're hearing things, what they are actually hearing. Yeah. So the PRP, which you said you went through just play rich plasma. So you're just taking a blood draw, spinning yeah. it down and you get the PRP back into you. They have growth and X's and those have growth factors in them and amniotic fluid. It, they say it doesn't have any DNA and that has growth factors in it, but aren't actually live cells. Um, when you're talking about donor cells that you're referencing the umbilical cord, oftentimes there'll be a cell line, let's say, of a baby that they've done testing on and they've grown out and replicated those cells thousands of thousands of times and then send them back to you and bottled up them mass-produced because it is a lot easier to have access to that. If you can buy something off the shelf, it's way easier than going in for a mini lipo procedure uh, and then coming back and saying, oh, yeah, I need my own cells or knowing about it. But it's much easier for a doctor to say, hey, well, let's try this. We can get it off the shelf. Mm. And then the same thing with exosomes, they're mass produced from like a cell line. And those are just signaling messengers. And But stem cells also have exosomes within them as well. I see. The exosomes, I think I've, I've done that treatment as well. <laughs> I mean, it was okay. I didn't, I don't know. Have you ever done it? I haven't. I think you're... It, and yeah. people are seeing benefits. I think people have gotten off, gotten their eye off the ball and just looked for things outside of stem cells because of the press or the what's going on in society and and saying okay let me find the next next best thing yeah of course and but having now as we're seeing this current climate and having access to your own cells and being able and to your exact point I mean the only downside is financial and it doesn't work for everyone but at least you know that it's your own DNA and in your own body and so you at least know you're not going to reject it and to your point yeah. The downside is it doesn't work. Right. This this point is very important to you. This point of your body possibly rejecting it. Let's let's sit there for a little bit because I don't think we've ever really heard this part of it. We've heard like, hey, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But what what does that look like if I get a donor that somehow down the road, or how do we know that my body rejects it and and in what ways does it express itself? Yeah, that's a great point. I think, so for these donor um, cells, it has someone else's DNA mm -hmm. in it. And you could be matched on all fronts, and there's still a risk of your body rejecting foreign DNA. And that's graft-versus-host disease. And that could come three days down the road in a skin irritation. It could come 30 days down the road. It could come three years down the road. It could be an autoimmune condition. It could be some sort of hair, skin, nail problem. And a lot of the research papers you're seeing more of the graft versus host is in the hematopoietic stem cells because that's the cord blood that's been around and, and done research for a while. And so you're seeing more papers on that. But if you're going to get an allergenic product, so a donor stem cell product, there's no standard for them having to track long-term data on any sort of graft versus host condition. So they will, they'll track the first three six, month, three, six months a year on if you're feeling better. But if you developed an autoimmune condition or skin irritation. It's not going to be traced back to the donor cell. It could be anything, right? Oh, you're in LA, you got too much sun. Yeah. Oh, uh, you got a, you got some sort of vaccine. It was this. Or anyone can kind of draw the lines mm -hmm. and you don't know exactly where it came from, but it, it's tough to trace it directly back to the source. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate just because I think people will be thinking about this. So, Let's say I have a back and a shoulder injury and I go down and I get treatment and I feel better, mm -hmm. like better, better. Part of me is, is saying, first of all, okay, I'll deal with whatever in 10 or 20 years, right? But th this part, and, th and, th and then you work in a lab that then you multiply your, the person's cells. But when I, I've spoken to you before, but this part really bothered you. 
like I, I really could hear genuinely that you were like, Hey, I, I'm, un- I, I, it makes me uncomfortable when we're doing stem cells with other people's DNA. So I'm just wondering, you know, for someone listening, what they're doing now, you do hear a lot of stories about people feeling good. Yeah. And they may feel good because there are cells in there that can help what you're trying to cure. So the rejection of someone else's cells isn't going to prohibit regeneration potentially of an mm-hmm. injury. Okay. But I, as we talked, when we talked in our first conversation, I, I was like, yeah, if my parents were on their deathbed and maybe cells could only help them and would I use donor cells and they're older and they don't have those 40 years <laughs> to live, then yeah, I would say right. let's let's give them the best treatment option. But I, I right now the industry has shown that there are such significant risks of entering foreign DNA in your body. And I think in the past couple of years, society's kind of woke up to say, hey, let's start questioning science or medicine and <laughs> let's try to figure out what actually makes sense for me as a human versus let's just not listen to what one person's telling me or what one news source is telling me. And so, but I'd welcome everyone to go out and actually do their own research yeah. and research graft versus host disease and stem cells and donor stem cells, whether it's hematopoietic or mesenchymal and the risks behind it. Because if I'm selling an allergenic donor product, is it any benefit of me if I'm not regulated, if I don't need to, to say, oh, by the way, this might develop a third leg or whatever that may be. There's there's just no jurisdiction right now yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, or even pharmaceuticals now. Like people take any pharmaceuticals, they have no idea the risk. So why would anyone know the risks on a bottled stem cell product? Yeah. And and I just wanted to bring that up because I, I know that I had that feeling where I was like, oh gosh, now I have to learn something new. <laughs> Cause it's true, right? Like you just, sometimes you're just like, Hey, I just want to feel better. And I don't take pharmaceutical medication. And I, you know, any surgery I have, I try my best not to actually take pain meds after and it's miserable and all of this, but it, it's so funny where sometimes you want to just go and get it taken care of and then feel better and be good to go. But I think just this bringing up this point, um, criteria, is it, would it be safe to say that overall it would be good for anyone to use their own cells if they were looking for whatever personal reasons they had to, whether it's an injury or to feel better, deal with chronic inflammation or whatever. Yeah. I think it's a great idea to talk to a practitioner that is in the space. And I always caution with not, if someone's promising the world, probably turn your back and go the other way, but focus on the doctors that are open to science, open to have the conversation, whether it's um, your own cells, whether it's donor cells, if they can tell you the risks and benefits behind it or what you're actually getting, then I think it's a great conversation to have. I think one issue that I've had when talking with doctors, which taking a step back, and I was talking to Laird about this downstairs, like when I grew up, I went to the best orthopedic doctor. I just trusted his word. He's a doctor. He knows everything. And that's what I'm going to base everything on. But no one was trained in med school to be a stem cell doctor. So it's really those ones that took extra effort to learn about this industry as it's progressed. Because if I was an orthopedic guy and I was trained to do knee replacements for 20 years, I can easily cash in, make good money, do those knee replacements, get rebuilt by insurance. It's great. But definitely talk to those doctors, have those conversations. But most folks are candidates, whether it's for regenerative purposes or for general health and wellness. And make sure you're asking the right questions to figure out if this makes sense for you. But I think a lot of people can benefit. And I guess the point really we've talked about is like, Right now is the start of it. I don't know what it's going to be in 20 years. Mm. I only imagine it's going forward. Right. 
It'd be cool if they could take your cells and make them how they were 20 years before. That'll be really interesting. There's some technologies going on behind that where people are starting to try to do that. It's not something we're currently involved, but like there is certain technologies that there, people are trying to reverse aging. I think that's a huge focus in society. Everyone wants to be live until they're 250 years old. I don't know if that's necessarily the case for me, but I, if I live to 100, I want the highest quality of life until 100. That's right. I think that is always the be- the biggest conversation for me is, you know, living 100, 130, 50 years, whatever. I mean, at some point, I I would think you, you'd almost be like, I'm good. Like, I've, I've kind of done it. But could you just go out with a bang, you know, and be full throttle until the last day? Now that sounds interesting. Um, I can't help but think, and I am a female, so it's probably I'm even leaning towards it. Beauty. Okay. I wouldn't mind talking about that. I know you guys are like, my muscles, I recover, I bang more iron, I'm benching more than I ever have. I'm like, my skin. But seriously, beauty, are they using, are they seeing any of this? Of course they are, because that's really where you make your money. How are they using it in beauty? Yeah, it, well, all over the place. From We have some hair restoration doctors that are using stem cells in the scalp. Um, Does it work? You have to talk to them about it. But they've seen some great results where they've actually... Well, you're letting the cells do their job where, you know, sometimes those actual hair follicles are dormant and they need some extra help to start growing again. Or if you're doing, um, people are ejecting cells in the face, you think about like uh, nano fat transfers to the face. There's yeah. stem cells in that fat. Yeah. Right? And so maybe those are the properties that are actually helping the rejuvenation properties. Not the fat itself? No. Filling probably, the areas? Well, the filling the areas, the fat is itself, but also maybe rejuvenating the skin and looking, feeling healthier. Uh, there's also a lot in sexual health. There's a lot of work oh, being done there. Oh, now you're really talking. So people have, again, you should oh, talk to Oh, is that like the P shot and the V shot and all that? People, yeah, there, there are <laughs> folks, and or reproductive health, there's been okay, s- some success as well. We're being back to going back yeah. to being grown-ups. <laughs> you're like, Gabrielle. No, okay, no, but let's talk about that. So um, the it's the P, like the P shot, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, what? This isn't my special, but there's words that you're all just we work with. No, there's okay. a, you're all just we work with who's had some great success with erectile dysfunction yeah. or peronies. And so those are some conditions that traditionally, traditional medicine has not been great. Where do they do that shot? I just never knew. I don't Directly know. into the shaft. Do they really? Yeah. That's going to be the clip that they cut right there. Yeah. That'll, they'll put that right. That'll be the, like a, Justin just <laughs> <laughs> into the shaft. I mean, I haven't watched it firsthand, but that's my understanding. That's amazing. Yeah. If I'm like mad at Laird, I'll be like, you know what? You know yeah. what I really think? I think we should all go and get shots. And yeah. Then, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, just feel the benefits. And the V shot, what is the V shot supposed to do? Because I've heard that too. Is it supposed to like. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a bunch out there, but it's like, Sorry. it could be, no, it could be like overall as women age could help their sexual reproduction system it could make them feel younger like it it could help like libido kind of thing yeah it could be more libido focused Mm -hmm. but i think also i think there's a few studies that are actually people that are in a tough time getting pregnant that could help as well potentially okay that's amazing i want to get back to the beauty thing have you seen any pictures or anything? We, yeah, we've seen some full stem cell, they call it like stem cell face makeup. Yeah, how do they do it? I want to know. They look great. I, so I haven't been in, but they'll be like microneedling around the face. Okay. Um, so they'll take the fat. Let's just see how it works. They take. Let's just say we'll do it with your protocol. So they took my fat and then they reinsert it back into areas of my face. Mm-hmm. And to your, as we talked about a little bit, that 
those stem cells are so negligible. So it's not as if you're injecting huge clumps of fat into your face, yeah. right? And so you could be doing some sort of microneedling where you can help repair mm-hmm. damaged skin. Because um, mm-hmm. as we talk about those mesenchymal stem cells, they're kind of the blank slate DNA and they could become skin cells, right? Okay. And so if you can get that rejuvenation and making people, but as you're seeing on the market, how many stem cell skin serums do you see on the market? Yeah, I don't and know. They're not stem cells though. They're, don't ever believe that people. Yeah, Topically, I don't really think you can get it done. There's growth, so it's really growth factors. It's not stem cells in this consumer. It's growth factors that come off of your stem cell media and the likes. And so there are maybe potential like pro regenerative factors in those growth factors that you can apply what do you mean, topically. Like the tone of your skin or the color, like the evenness, maybe. Yeah, it could. Maybe it's the dryness, or yes, the evenness. Or if they're saying, I don't know, you've, have you seen those cameras where they take pictures of you and you're like, oh, you look. 36. And yeah, you're like, yeah, oh, you yeah. do the skin thing. It's like, you look 30 now. And yeah, it's like yeah. based on like healing scars or along okay. those lines. You're rolling your eyes now, but in 20 years, you're going to be paying more attention to this. I just want you to no, know. No, I need to start paying attention now. I'm just now. kidding. <laughs> I already got wrinkles on my forehead. So so when they put, I'm, I just really, I want to understand. So let's say they, you put them in, is there a healing component that can happen when they put the stem cells in the face? Or is it bringing just more uh, healing elements, energy to these locations in the face like this. I'm just trying to figure out how that would actually work. There's not a long-term, I think it depends on how invasive that process is where it's like a micro needling, right? And someone was like adding cells in it to help uh, potentially rejuvenate faster. But if it was a more invasive one, you might have to talk to one of my cosmetic guys on their Do you have them? We have a few, yeah, we have a bunch of cosmetic guys we work with. Uh, They'd be more than happy to talk about their procedure because they are passionate about it. And again, like those are the type of doctors that weren't trained this way in medical school. It was like, okay, well, here's another tool to my tool chest yeah. that I can add. And maybe they're not using exclusively cells, but they said, hey, this could make my results 10, 15, 20% better. Yeah. It's a great experiment. I really, because I, I kind of like the downside, which is so minimal. I think it's uh, really important. Okay, cost. This is part of it that's an ass kicker. Mm-hmm. Um, for most people, they just go, I can't even open the door. Because for a lot of it, it's it starts at a, probably about, I'd say, 20 grand. Am I, for like, let's say an injury. Yeah. Like a, a joint or, a, you know, a tear. Am I sitting, that sounds about It's right. lower. How um, is it? That's yeah. Good. So if you just want to, so there's different ways to do. So like when you talked about that same day procedure where you got stem cells bedside, yeah, that's that, the more expensive one. If you did that and banked, you're looking like around 20. Okay. And that's just to have it in the door. You got your treatment. If you just wanted to bank your cells and go to a practitioner, then the mini lipo, the fat, mm-hmm. you're more talking in the high thousands to like, you know, five, six, seven, 10,000 max. And then okay. you would pay each time you need your cells or have them grown out. And then, you know, maybe depending on what the treatment is, maybe you're spending a few grand or thousands of dollars on cells each time you need them or to prepare. So you could spend $20,000 to have this war chest built for you. Yeah. In the future, you mm-hmm. could spend fifty thousand, but the there is entry levels. Again, it's not. I get it. It's not for everyone because it is a big financial investment. Um, yeah, we're just exploring yeah. something that's out there that a lot of people don't know about, and and that's what it is because it's new. So yeah. don't worry about it. And what's nice if you do the newborn side, which is less than five grand, you that's just something that's done when you're given birth. So there's no added extraction costs or whatever. And so mm-hmm. then you have your your child sells there. So I think we talked about this a little bit offline previously, but I think there's a, um, people don't realize it's available here and that it's available at a nominally affordable 
comparatively to going out of the U.S., it's not just for billionaires that have connections out of the country or people yeah. well-connected to go out of the country to get something that is, I would argue, more experimental and a little riskier and leaves a lot of questions unanswered. Yeah. What about this, the way the FDA kind of regulates all this stuff? What is it? I know that the head of the FDA has been pretty clear that he doesn't sort of like this treatment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying this specific treatment with your cells, but sort of the notion of stem cells in general. And, uh, you know, people will try to put some kind of morality framework around it, which I feel like doesn't have anything to do with it. I don't know. No, you're... Right, because when people hear stem cells, I think they start thinking the embryonic stem cells, which we're not using. So I think we could take the morality out of it. Yeah. But so the FDA is really a enforcer of laws. And where you're not seeing is the FDA cannot approve your own personal cells because your cells cannot be mass produced or patented or owned by someone else. You own your own cells. And so you have the right through the practice of medicine to use your cells. And there was a court ruling out here in California with uh, California Stem Cell Treatment Center and CSN, and they went to court with the FDA. That the FDA said, hey, you're manufacturing a drug by doing this stem cell procedure. And yes, the question like, well, how are they manufacturing a drug? What they do is they take out fat, they isolate the stem cells from the fat, and they put it back in your body, those same stem cells. It's the same thing as doing micronized fat treatment, except they're just getting the stem cells they want and putting it back to where you need it. I said, no, what you're doing there is a manufacturing drug, you're altering the, the stem cell. And so they went to court with them, spent millions of dollars for the little man, because if you're a general practitioner, why are you going to go spend millions of dollars to fight the FDA? And so I these know. guys actually did it for society, which is fantastic. They beat the FDA and they said, hey, what you're doing in-house is a surgical procedure. And when the FDA was formed, there was clear laws that FDA was not going to have oversight over the practice of medicine. And the same thing in this ruling, they said, and expanded cells, like I just said, those are your cells. They can't be patentable. You own those cells. They're for the use of medicine and they're not FDA regulated. But we want to work with the FDA because I think there's a ton of great things about the FDA and how they regulate drug and food. And it should be safe for the patients. And, every, and so we want to work with them and we're registered, inspected by them, but we want to work with them to make this mm -hmm. uh, more accessible and also the safest way we can for human society. And so we're always open to working with them. And so hopefully we can all get on the same page on what we're actually offering. And we've talked a lot about the different types of stem cells. So I'm not sure how much he knows about the different, I'm sure he knows all the different types of stem cells or if he's just blanketly making the statement, but there are different types of uses and stem cells out there as we discussed. Yeah. And it is important, your lab in particular, you are FDA approved. We're not FDA. We'll never be FDA approved. Well, We're regis FDA, registered and regi inspected. Right. Because we're not, we're not, um, we're just the custodian of cells. We're offering a service. So we're not selling a drug that can be FDA approved. Right. But you have a, like you've, you sort of have signaled yourselves that you at least have let them know that you're there and in, in business. Yeah. And they come and they come and inspect <laughs> us for the safety and we operate in good manufacturing practice. And so mm -hmm. we want to make sure all our protocols and we work with them like, okay, this safety measure needs to be implemented. We'll do so. We want them to come into our lab and see our cleaner environment how we're processing the cells, and it's safe for the patient's use. We don't want to, we do all, we have all these different sterility testing and all these different processes to ensure the safest environment for these cells, but also to make sure the clients get back their cells. And we want to make sure we offer the best service for those clients so they feel safe that they can get these back. Yeah. Have you ever had a case where you get a, a, a sample and you get cells from somebody and it's a no-go? 
yeah, it is a rare case, um, but it has happened where we would ask for another sample. So sometimes it could come in contaminated and it's rare, but it happens whether it's when the mini liposuction was done and how we got it, it could have been contaminated. There could have been a dental infection in the patient, which could have caused contamination. Uh, it is rare, but then we'd be like, okay, well, they're open to it. Please send out a new sample. We're not going to mm-hmm. charge anything. Just take another piece of fat. But we, it is a rare case, but it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> or you try to replicate them and then the third round through, through the cells, is there times that they kind of fall apart? So not typically, but when we have the bone marrow clients, Mm -hmm. when those cells tend to be older, they grow out a lot slower. And so we definitely yield a lot less cells from bone marrow over the long run because these, these cells have shorter telomere lengths and they're taking a lot more time to grow. So for those clients, we'll be like, okay, can you please send us a new sample from the fat would be preferable so that we can have an ample amount of cells. And there have been people that have used lots of cells and they may need to send a new sample. And so, but as technology advances, we're trying to hold on to a couple vials of the client's youngest cells that we won't touch because we don't know how stem cell technology is going to advance too. So those vials might be able to get trillions and trillions of cells. And so we'd like to have those on reserve if we could for the future. Um, You may not be able to answer this, but you know, I'm always fascinated with telomeres. Like secretly, I hope that I have really long telomeres. But is there anything that you've heard or comes up that people can actually do to keep their telomeres from getting shortened? I mean, obviously, besides the lifestyle things, right? Yeah. Smoking, drinking, stress, not sleeping. Is there anything you've heard or floated around that helps support the health or, you know, length? Because it seems to be a length thing with telomeres. Yeah, we, so there's a bunch of products out there that are promising you to maintain telomere length. I don't think there's a way to reverse telomere length at this point. And, mm-hmm. and there's none I can speak on specifically. But when we do the tests internally and seeing telomere length short, I think there is science improving where they're trying to lengthen telomeres. And can you, and to the exact point we're talking about, reverse aging. And so that's really lengthening the telomeres. And there's not one that I've been able to test specifically in our lab or send externally that I can speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't want to say one's bogus and one does work because I haven't personally tested, but there's so much out there to your point. They'd be like, okay, well, this will lengthen your telomeres. Or a lot of people are saying, this will maintain telomere length for when we get to the point in 50 years and we can reverse uh, aging, then you can use this, which might be interesting It's if it's nominal and it actually does its job. But I haven't uh, come across one that I specifically use. I understand like why we're scared of dying, but I, I'm also fascinated at how people will get obsessed with you know, sort of lengthening life and instead of sort of living it at this very moment, it's almost like they're so far thinking about how they want to live for so long, but they're not actually doing the living right in this moment. I always, I'm I'm always fascinated uh, by that. Laird and I talk a lot about that, where in a way, sometimes he talks about like, we work, work, work. And then we go, oh, when I'm done, when I'm 65 or 70, then I'm really going to enjoy my life. It's like, Sometimes I feel like it's, I want to encourage people to be as healthy as they can all of the time, but also it's happening, you know, right now. And uh, I think that's part of it too. Yeah. I think I would encourage your words of wisdom there because everyone's looking forward, right? So it's like, oh, if you haven't had the success, I'll figure this out in 20 years. Like I became this law partner. Let me just avoid my family for 15 years and then I'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm with you today. I want to live the healthiest life that I'm available to have. 
I'm not necessarily worried about 180 because I'll probably be one of those grumpy old men that's like, I hate this music and I don't want it. So as long as I live the best life I can with my family and friends up to the point and I can still do everyday activities I love doing and being active, I'd consider that a success. I think I'm with you or one more time to check out. I think I'm okay with it. But as long as I'm walking, I'm running around, I'm being active and that's all I could really ask for. Yeah. Um, cuts and burns and, and some kind of, you know, those kinds of, uh, wounds have people used it for that as well. Yeah. They have used it for wound closure. And funny enough, I have a third degree burn on my left arm. I fr- saw that from coffee when I was burned as a 16 month year old. How, what happened? So when I was 16 months old, I was in the kitchen and I wasn't being <sighs> watched. Um, and I climbed up onto oh, the pot. cabinet and I poured, I dumped a cup on myself. From a cup of coffee that yeah. happened? Well, when you think about it, you're as a, your skin as a baby is so sensitive and your skin is the same skin you have throughout your life. So this is expanded. It's always been from my elbow to my chest. But as I grown to be 6'2", it's just expanded with me. So I had a ton of skin graphings. This definitely wasn't an option. That's uh, from a cup of coffee? One cup of coffee that just dumped over the counter on myself. But I lost no mobility. So like I couldn't be happier. And I feel terrible for my mother and father having to deal with it more than me because I'm fine. But they had to actually deal with the adult ramifications of it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we're seeing some great results with, with wound closures. There's some older patients that have had like open ulcers that they haven't been able to close them. And I think you're seeing that in different modalities as well, not just stem cells, but different topical uses like those amniotic fluids as well. But there is a lot of great cases. Or we dealt, uh, one of our doctors we work with treated a patient who got in a car accident that where the car actually caught on fire. Mm-hmm. And he had tremendous um, burns and scarring on his neck and no mobility there. And so he did his own like proprietary deal where he tried to break down the scar tissue and insert cells there. Mm-hmm. And the repairs, he looks a lot better. And he actually has mobility in his neck to kind of do those day-to-day activities. So we are seeing that to be a benefit as well. But also the sooner you get it, if you can get those cells in there before scar tissue starts to form, Mm -hmm. that's your best bet or your best time for success than waiting a few years down the road. Yeah. Scar tissue is a, is a brute. When I had my knee replaced, I had to get, um, I had to get put under uh, two more times because I, I create scar tissue so quickly um, that it, and it can really inhibit the healing or the range of motion during the healing. And so they had to go in and do two manipulations. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but they basically just cranked the joint um, shut because the scar tissue was building up so quickly. So to your point, scar tissue, if you can get on it sooner than later. Exactly. And if you have all that scar tissue, then there's nowhere for the cells to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's what, no blood flow, no, nothing's happening through there. They just sort of block everything out. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And so you, you, as the cells kind of go into the body and start repairing the tissue, it's already been band-aided over by the scar tissue. Mm. So it's tough to send out those signals to actually repair within. So just to remind people again, the different types of stem cells and maybe just explain exactly where they come from, because we're, we're trying to do a 101. Okay. Yeah. So- more specifically, the ones we're talking about are mesenchymal adult stem cells. So away from the embryonic 20 years ago. So it's from your body. So even when you give birth to a child, their umbilical cord, blood, or tissue, those are still considered adult stem cells. So they're multipotent. They can develop into your different types of fat tissues, muscle tissue, neurotissue, blood vessels. And then you have, there's a lot of research on like those hematopoietic type stem cells that can turn into different types of blood cells as well. And not to say that uh, mesenchymal stem cells can't do that as well, but that's 
specifically we're focusing on because you can isolate those. There's plenty of them in the adipose uh, core blood, core tissue, and as well as like we can actually culture span them. So those stem cells, when we grow them, can adhere to plastic and we can feed them to let them naturally self-replicate. And so from our perspective, that's the important part is being able to regrow them, have them in a quantity and and cryopreserve them. Um, Then what we really touched on is like just really knowing those autologous, if they're from your own body versus allergenic donor cells and what the risks are behind that. And they're there's, there is a lot of great research out there, both domestically and abroad, that are whether they're trying to reverse engineer, uh, make stem cells younger, or from donor cells. And I just don't think the research has been positive enough to say, hey, I'd rather run the risk of getting a donor product at this day and age because it still has someone else's DNA in it. And so I would always try to be safe and ask the right questions. And everyone has a different risk profile. Right. <laughs> it's funny saying that in my house. Um, <laughs> So Kevin, is there a doctor or doctors that you uh, sort of, they, they've been practicing this the longest, they've been experimenting the most? Are there guys out there if somebody wants to watch someone lecture on this or um, there's not really a lot of books on it yet or anything like that? Yeah, there's, there's some stem cell, but they're usually more self-promoting. So the ones, yeah, that's that's in a way, I mean, I know your work does this, but that's why I wanted to talk to you because you don't have a practice per Mm -hmm. se. You're a little more agnostic, but is there someone in the space that you think they're, they're sort of doing this aggressively, but responsibly? Yeah, there, I think most of my doctors within my network are doing a fantastic job of treating the, treating what doctors were trained to do, which is help your patient. As the first act and the best protocols to do so. I actually just got back from a cell surgical conference that was put on last weekend, and they have the great modalities of speakers from all across the country. And it's not just personal cell therapy, it is allergenic products, it is your exosomes, it's your ozones and peptides. And so they do a fantastic job of bringing everyone together and having a free free speech and, and letting people decide what's best for them. But I would only People reached out to our uh, clinic. We'd only recommend various doctors in our network that we know how they've treated patients and kind of the care they give them and the process they go through. Uh, I don't want to promote one versus the other, but I'm okay. happy to no, give fair. it based on where you are in your country or what you're looking to. I We have a network that specializes, whether one specializes in orthopedics or urology or autoimmune or neurology, we have a great network of doctors are always expanding because a lot of people just don't know about us. So it's that's the best part of my job is that I get to speak with these different practitioners across the country and what are they working on mm. and what are they seeing? And I think that's one of my focuses is trying to give them a larger voice to collaborate so that this industry moves forward. Do you think that we'll, we'll sort of find a, a, regulate, a regulation around this and that people have more access so they don't have to go out of the country? Do we think we're moving there at all? I think the access is there. I think it's a lack of knowledge of knowing. And I think um, marketing's huge in the US, right? <laughs> and so from your perspective, and I think at one point you're looking to maybe go out of the country. And so I think there's, if you're out of the country and you make some sort of claims, the US government's not coming out and shutting your doors. I think we are, we're not making any medical claims because people have to do the clinical research and we'll show the clinical trials and pres- say anecdotal cases. And hey, we have, a f- there's a 
guy I presented last week, they did a 500-person uh, lower lumbar back study and seeing fantastic success. And we'll start presenting those cases, but getting the word out that knowing you can have access here. Uh, mm. I think when we look at it as a business and you look at marketing, it's interesting that who controls marketing in the United States is the two biggest tech, tech platforms. And so the two biggest tech platforms are deciding what you can and cannot market to citizens. And this is, so they, you can't actually market for stem cells. But so, what, do you, what do you mean you can't market? You can't sort of talk about your business? You can't? You could not um, develop a pay-per-click campaign on Google talking about stem cells. So what are the two biggest, Facebook and Google? Yeah, because so, yeah, Facebook's meta, so they have yeah. Facebook, Instagram, and then mm -hmm. Google's the largest search platform. And right. so those two mm -hmm. are deciding what you can and cannot show users. I wonder what that, that is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay. That's another rabbit hole we could go down for a <laughs> we're while. We're not going to do that. We're, we're here just to learn today. Yeah. Well, if somebody wants to specifically, like when you talked about these other doctors doing these specific types, can they come, just share with people where they can start to dig into some of this information? Can you direct them to all the places they can find or start with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. They can go, they can call our office at American Cell Technology or our website's americancelltechnology.com. They can always reach out to me personally or to our staff. And we we have a multitude of doctors. We're happy to send you that we're our trusted clinics that we've worked with that we believe are doing a good job servicing their patients. Right. Okay, Justin, you get, you get, uh, do you have any questions uh, that I forgot? Justin, hard, hard hitting questions. I just can't get over it. <laughs> He wants to talk about the pee shot. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to take you off. Come on, focus. Stay focused. Stay focused. It's the uh, just the stigma behind all of this. When, like you were saying, like the worst thing that happens is nothing. Pretty much. And um, do you think it really is just going to be like a solid marketing campaign, or how do you push this science forward? Yeah, I, I think that's that was the amazing part about speaking with Gabby and. Like what I really loved about her voice is that she'll have a conversation with anyone and she doesn't have an agenda and she's very thoughtful about her questions. And so when you talk about the other side of token, yeah, it's people being like, okay, well, this celebrity, this MMA fighter went out to this country and did this clinic and it's all word of mouth. And we work with a lot of great doctors that service those communities as well. And maybe it's not as well known, but I think it's part of that re-education process, both on like understanding get in the US, but also, like more importantly, as we've kind of touched on here over our conversations, like people thinking this is your line of first defense, not waiting to explore all their options or getting that knee replacement as the first line because it's covered by insurance, but letting it know that this might be a potential and just explore that and talk to your doctor and see if that's an option or a doctor that is doing this and ask the tough questions and what they're doing and be curious. And that's really like, all we can ask is be curious and it's going to be more of word of mouth and success stories as it comes. But that's also what it's been doing out of the country. I don't know how marketing evolves here and I can't control that. So all I can do is really promote my doctors that I work with that have been awesome and had successful cases and you know, kind of the ones that are really doing the work here. And, and I'm just getting to watch it firsthand. Kevin, should I be sad that I'm not really learning this until I'm in my early 50s? Do you think, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, I, it <laughs> no, it's, no, no. I, well, I think you should be ha happy because I think 99.9% .9 of people in your position would have just gone to popular opinion and not have had the conversation or want to relearn. And I think that's what's been 
so exciting of talking to you and what I believed in listening to you previously is how you're open to learning and you're not old. <laughs> Your cells are young. You have plenty of young cells and you want to be healthy for the next 40, 50 years or I'm going to eventually get to kick your butt in the pool workout and you don't want that. No. And I'll be dead before that. <laughs> and and then I can hold my breath a really long time. So then exactly. you'll be like, wow, she's down there a long time. <laughs> exactly. Um, with, I just have to also ask really quick, with the hair growth, did they just inject it into the spots that they want to stimulate or wake up the follicle? I think they're still doing a lot. There needs to be a lot more research done in hair because okay. hair doctors, they do a very invasive hair transplant, transplant process. And so this could be another tool for them. Yeah. Those aren't our to largest actually heal yeah. from the invasive exactly. process. Exactly. Or like they could do touch-ups. So they've had like really good results like in the crown. Yes. So putting some cells around the crown and then kind of waking up those dormant cells to help regrow hair. So I think that's more of like a touch-up because okay. they don't want to because right now, like for them, they don't want to take away their whole right. restoration business. And it's I'm not saying that these cells could totally remove the possibility of getting hair yeah. restoration, but that's the primary part of their practice. I think this is another mm. tool for them to add. Got it. Is there anything, because you know more about this than I do, is there anything that I didn't ask that was really important just for this, this kind of peek into what's out there and what's available? Is there something I missed that feels really important? I think you you did a great job of actually preparing for covering the whole gamut. I think one part we've touched on um, but would reiterate is mm -hmm. people understanding where we sit now, what could be the benefits in 20 years, but also do you want to prolong your, your quality of life? Is there potential to do this now and figure out what happens in 20 years or use it today? But how do you put the quality of life into this picture? Because I think someone would rather get a $70,000 Range Rover because they can show that off immediately. Versus yeah. how do you prioritize your health and making sure you have the highest quality, the highest quality of health for you, your family. And I think at one point we probably didn't touch on is like the orthopedic side of things is everyone's looking for a quick fix. And one of my high school football coaches said this best. He's like, everyone wants instant everything, instant coffee, instant grits. And so like everyone wants an instant shot and to feel better, but you have to know that your body takes time to heal itself and it might not be a one-time. So when you got that one-time procedure, did you just sit sedentary on your couch for the next 10 years? No, you're in the pool, right. you're, you're being active. And so what happens in those next five, 10 years? And so knowing that you potentially have another tool to your tool chest to help repair itself as unfortunately you may have some other injury down the road that this yeah. could be another tool for you to help recover faster. Yeah, I agree. And I, what really also appeals to me is this idea of also maybe doing it somewhat regularly as just a little boost on the, on this sort of chronic inflammation. Cause sometimes when you train a lot, you're, you have different issues because you're always beating yourself up. And if you're not recovering quick enough, this really becomes a problem. And I know people get sick of, I say this at ad nauseum, but yes, this is a tool. And these are quote, I put in air quotes, hacks, but that's also, we're never going to get away from doing the work and you can instant it all you want. But I think all the things that we're really drawn to took a lot of time to happen, whether it's a piece of music or it's art, or you look at someone and you go, this life that they built, there is no way it you know, of getting away from it. So I, I love the idea of things that can support me while I'm trying to do this work. Absolutely. And you're thinking about it on the proactive side, which no, not many people are. And on top of that, if you could have you know, cells ready to go or like the athletic community, people make millions of dollars yeah. playing football and a lot of sports have concussions, right? And like the biggest example I give 
what's the concussion protocols right now in the NFL? There's really no treatment. And people are missing lots of games and having chronic brain injuries and that's inflammation of the brain. And if they had their cells potentially after they got concussed, that could calm the inflammation, get them to heal more quickly and get them back a game earlier at a healthier level. Yeah. Could that prolong their career an extra year, an extra yeah. year? Could it make their team get into the playoffs? Yeah. And, and is that an IV? Is that yeah. done in an IV for the for the brain? Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. So, so there's some studies of doing the IV and calming the sites of inflammation from traumatic brain injury. And there's some, some good people doing good work out there and seeing some success. Right now, there has been rat studies showing that it getting injected into the tail, it get, the cells can get in through the blood-brain barrier and get into the sites of inflammation on the brain, calm that inflammation, actually seeing those rats get to baseline more yeah. quickly than just the saline effect. Yeah, and not to mention okay, play sooner, but then when you're done playing, being able to have a whole full life because that's a whole other thing that these guys, these athletes have to deal with after, which is has its own set of uh, challenges. So, 100%. One yeah. of my friends on the clinical side, and he's been treating some of that out here in LA, and mm -hmm. he's exactly to your point. What do you, a retired football player, a lot of them from the 80s are just on a lot of medication, wake up with chronic pain, and he has a great success story that I, I won't get into of him treating one of the, yeah. or his clinic treating one of these patients and not feeling pain for the first time, off his, off his opioids for the first time in years. And so just a, I couldn't hone it more on the quality of life, yeah. being proactive versus reactive, which that's what you're all about. Yeah. And just trying to get the message out there to see that isn't a potential option. Well, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. And um, I hope, if nothing else, people become more curious and ask more questions. And um, I, again, just really appreciate the new information because it is new for me. So thank you, Kevin. No, thank you, Gabby, for having me. I couldn't be more pleased to be here and actually see exactly what you preach on your podcast. It's the same in person and being curious. And it's been an awesome conversation. So thank Thanks. you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. Head to the link in the show notes and click gabbyreese.com to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, products, and more. If you have any questions for my guests or even myself, please send them to at gabbyreese on Instagram. If you feel inspired, please hit the follow button, leave a rating, and a comment. It not only helps me, it really helps the show grow and reach new listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.